Hey, my name is Sean Patrick Thomas. You might know me from Save the Last Dance or from the Barbershop franchise, but you might also know me from my role as Alan Townsend on Reaper. And you are listening to the Dead TV Podcast. Another exciting episode of the Dead TV Podcast, podcast dedicated to any and all canceled television shows in the sci-fi, fantasy, and horror genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. And I'm Mr. Seneca. And we are fully recovered from COVID, both of us, right? Mostly. Yeah, Mr. Seneca had COVID, and I've had COVID, so we both had a taste for the devil's Uh, disease. (laughs) (laughs) Um... And tonight we are talking about two of the three final episodes of Reaper the series. We will be taking a brief um, hiatus and jumping into Alienation. We were going to do a short show, but we've been kind of delayed on things, so we're skipping the short show for now, and then we'll do the movie and then the TV series, because then we also got five made-for-TV movies to follow the TV series. And and to be frank, like I have been absolutely up to my neck in party planning and decor for all sorts of places. My partner and I have just won the Uptown Bar in Center City, Philadelphia. We're reskinning it with a Stranger Things theme. Oh, so we neat. are deep. Yeah, we're deep into building demogorgons, demodogs, Vecna, vines, etc. So. Yeah, I have been a little MIA. Uh, I also, by the way, have been crazy busy with like projects, TV shows, this uh, short story collection as well, so my schedule's been all sorts of messed up. But we traverse ever forward. Next episode of Reaper, episode 11, to sponge with love. As Sock would say it, <laughs> love. That's how he would say it. <laughs> Reaper, season 2, episode 11, to sprung with love. Originally aired May 12th, 2009. When the devil sends Sam out to catch his latest soul, Sam thinks the escaped soul is his mean former biology high school teacher, Mr. Sprong. But it turns out that the soul is actually a former student, and Mr. Sprong's the target. Mr. Sprong is still alive. Sam attacks him with the vessel, a wooden mallet. The gang is forced to keep the nasty Mr. Sprong locked up in order to prevent him from pressing assault charges. Meanwhile, Ted reclaims his former job as manager of the workbench, he asks Sock to dress up in a costume to represent the bench's wrench mascot. But this soon clashes with the rival bargain bench store down the road, who have a similar mascot. Also, Ben rashly decides to face a demon who lusts after Nina when she goes into heat. This doesn't sit well with her, as she wants to exhale herself for a week. Yeah, that's the funniest part of the whole episode, the Nina and Heat plotline. Yeah, it's... I didn't think the demons could actually procreate. Yeah, but because there's no there's no mention of demon babies, but yet there is. You know, since we did have that episode with uh, little Stevie, it's just really confusing, and I'm not quite sure how to put that in 
Well, she's an animal like any other animal. They have a heating mating season. You know, it's it's biological for part mammal creatures, I guess. I mean, do, do birds go into heat? Do insects and, and reptiles? Uh, Are reptile women just like standing up straight, being like, "Look at my, look at my underneath where I slither. Come mate with me." <laughs> I, I, I know my reptiles tongue at you like do this. have have mating times, you know. Right, but do there they are go mating into, seasons? Do they go into heat though to attract the men to come over and, you know, put a baby in them? I don't know. Oh well, we're definitely the uh, the experts of zoology here on the TED TV podcast. <laughs> Uh, mammals, yeah, mammals, <laughs> mammals do this, and other animals, it's it's whatever, you know. This is why you get your cats and dogs fixed, you know. But the idea that an immortal being could create another is she immortal? Because demons can get killed. They can, but she keeps telling Ben that he's mortal and that he's going to die from this demon if he tries to fight him. So you know, if if she's upset that he that Ben is mortal, then she must be in some way immortal. Uh. You know, if if demons could just die on the regular like humans could with, you know, the slightest little drop of a building on them, then there would be a dwindling amount of demons unless they were procreating. But we don't really see that in the show, and it shows kind of weird with that, the whole babies in hell type of thing. I don't know, it's very confusing, and I'm not quite sure where to place it within my... Cannons. So this mustache guy tries to buy a drink, and then this guy named Xavier tries to buy a drink, and uh, all the while Andy and Sock are having an arm wrestling contest. So it's a uh, it's a dick measuring contest that Andy <laughs> would win, but doesn't. Man, she flexes some muscles in the scene. It's unbelievable. He does. I do love Xavier's like slow but gentle than hard love. <laughs> well, these are demons, so they're acting like real douchebags. Indeed. I, I guess I'm all for it. I'm not really sure. I don't know. She says she's gone into heat, you know, thousands of times and and doesn't mention if she's had thousands of kids. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that doesn't uh, sit well with Ben. Uh, no, he's very insecure about that. Right after Sock wins his uh, arm wrestling match with Andy, um, immediately transported to the devil where he is selling jewelry and breaking up a couple because the devil is a dick. Yes. Sam watches this whole thing of the devil just sowing discord between the happy couple over the price of the ring. Cupid zirconias or diamonds? You know, well, he would love you. He would, he would buy a diamond and... Hey, you know, even J-Lo wears cubic zirconia. Like, talking both sides, and he's just tickled pink when the couple breaks up. Do you think Ben Affleck bought J-Lo a uh, cubic zirconian when they got married recently? I don't think so, but I don't fucking care. (laughs) Yeah, Ben Affleck and J-Lo got married, so this is kind of a relevant episode. (laughs) Because they're the news, because they got married recently. Yeah, they got married, you know... Shockingly. It all comes around. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I guess, you know, craziest yeah. thing ever. So the devil gives Sam the vessel and the documentation, and the vessel is a wooden mallet, kind of an old-fashioned wooden mallet. Sam doesn't even read the file, but he sees the photo of Mr. Sprung with his head circled, and he says, ah, that guy must be an escaped soul because he's a terrible human being. He must be 
uh, a damned soul. And he is a terrible human being. Oh, absolutely horrible. I mean, he calls Andy swine, <laughs> or hanging out with the other swine. Also, we do, by the way, I mean, this was something we've gone back and forth about, but yeah, Andy wanted Ben to kiss her at the last big dance of their school, but he didn't. Sam wanted Sam to kiss her, not Ben. Not Ben. No, yeah, I'm sorry, Sam. Sorry. Yeah, Andy wanted Sam to kiss her, which, yeah, that was like the let's just be friends, you know what I mean? And, you know, they both seemed to, like, bounce back and forth over. Yeah. And and it took Sam all that time to even get the guts to just say anything, and really kind of pathetic. So they accidentally hit the guy over the head with the soul, uh, with the vessel, and it knocks him unconscious, bleeding out. And uh, this is kind of like teaching Mrs. Tingle all of a sudden. I think that's what they're supposed to be parroting. I'm not familiar. Really? Katie Holmes is one of the kids in it. Um, really decent Kevin Williamson film, writer-director, I think, of the film, about uh, some kids who are dealing with a obnoxiously horrible individual of a teacher. And uh, they kidnap her... And then they accidentally kill her, and they got to keep it quiet. Like a dark comedy? Yeah, like a dark calling. Uh, Helen Miriam plays the teacher. Okay. Yeah, really decent cast. Okay. Yeah, the story of the girl who is willing to do anything to become valedictorian, even if it means murdering her teacher that stands in her way. Uh, highly underrated, I think. Well, Mr. Sprong is played by famous comedian Michael McDonald. Michael McDonald, you'll recognize him from Mad TV. You know, he plays Stuart. I did not yeah. watch Mad TV, actually. Oh, I love, I love it. Stuart, you can't have noodles for dinner. Yep, never, never got no. into it. Do you know who our resident devil has recently played, and it's now out and available to watch on some streaming channel? Made a couple of years ago. I had no idea about this. I think I missed it on IMDb, but now it's out. They're they're mini, they're ten minute shorts. There's. Uh, well, it says season one, but I think Kevin Smith has talked about it on his podcast. They only got to do one season. So, Jack the King Kirby in Kevin Smith's comic book documentary TV show. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I saw. I was watching it, and like, they have a lot of different uh, stars in it. Like Brandon Routh shows up, and I was like, "Oh, hey, he, Jack Kirby is being played by Ray Wise." If you type in comic book documentary on Prime, it should pop up. But if anyone should play Jack Kirby, I, I think Ray should do it, if they ever make a, a movie like that. Ted is now the interim store manager. I'm not sure how he got that position back, but it's assumed that no one else wanted it. Right. Uh, because Andy was demoted after that last stunt. Yeah, that didn't make a lot of sense. I was like, wait, what? How? It's... Okay. To be to be honest, Ted is just funnier as the manager. Right. He is, even though he's a dick, just like the soul of the dick, even when he's tied up. But uh, I guess it's the devil you know. That's the whole joke. Mm. Demons show up at the house. Dina, Nina's like, I gotta go away. They're gonna keep showing up. Fights one. She does like the hair shake thing and turns back into her like human form. That mm -hmm. seems like a special effect that I've seen before in like things like The Craft. You remember when she was changing her hair color and she would just shake oh, her yeah, head? Yeah. That's the famous scene where she's shaking her head, though, but and her wig kind of flips a bit. It changes and color, yeah. No, no, her wig flips a bit, and she's bald underneath her wig because she had shaved her head for um, uh, Empire Records, the movie. Oh. Do you okay. remember that movie? Yeah. 
But in the craft, she, it just basically changed hair color. Right. Sock is adored by children and then gets a cease and desist lawsuit from the, uh, the other, um, workbench kind of, you know, hardware store competitor. Because yeah. of course Ted wouldn't have come up with this by himself. No, no, he did not have the idea for Wrenchy Bench, the, the workbench new mascot that Sock wants to do the role for like 50 bucks. But the Borgen Bench has a hammer mascot that they had used for many, many years. So the court said, you know, this is too close in, in reference. So cease and desist, copyright infringement. Um, and Sock takes that personally. Yeah, because he's being loved by the orphans, even though uh, Sam points out they're not orphans. Why do you get a rain on my orphan parade? Why? <laughs> that 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 part I actually really did like. So the the hammer though comes back to the workbench, Brandon the hammer, and they get into a fight. They get into a, a full on mascot fight, and we find out that the person underneath the mascot head is an old lady, and Sock continues to beat her. I don't think I've ever had uh, two mascots assault each other from stores, but I've seen it happen in sports. Yeah, and in Bob's Burger, there's like a mascot race, and they get into a couple fights. Oh, they do? Funny. Yeah, yeah. The Wrench. That reminds me, there was that movie Super, um, Owen Wilson, uh, Rain, sorry, Rain Wilson's uh, character was The Wrench. Did you ever see that? I don't think so. Yeah, it was a James Gunn-directed movie, before he became yeah. super-duper Disney guy. <laughs> yeah. Brightburn is in the same universe, as it? Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Interesting. Yeah. All right. The devil is really happy with Sam that he committed kidnapping. Yeah, he's like, yes, you're coming closer like, to the dark side. The proud papa, you know, it's evil coming and coming aboard. You kidnap, assault, you know, yeah, you're, you, you held him not for his own safety, but for, to save your own ass, so you wouldn't have the authorities called on you, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, and he's like, no, no, I'm proud, my boy. <laughs> it's hilarious. And in the meanwhile, Ben armors up. You know, he wants to face those demons and defend his woman to the best of his abilities. So they build him. Doc and Ben uh, build a almost like a samurai warrior outfit from just stuff at the workbench. And they, they paint it silver and gold. And it looks pretty impressive, actually. You know, Nina thought it looked impressive and started, you know, being all handsy on him and, you know, kissing him and loving him when he is in the suit, but it turns out that some of her pheromones rubbed off in the process, so when he gets outside, the demon doesn't want to fight him, he wants to hump him. So we get a scene of demon grinding on Ben in his, in his armor, and uh, Ben is very emotionally traumatized from this, which turns Nina on at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't take much to turn her on because of her demonic self, I guess. Yeah, does doesn't take much. But it's Mr. Sprung is the one that actually captures the soul this time because when the damn soul, Jordy Boone, which is a former student, they don't tell much about Jordy as to what he did or whatnot, but he just has a hard-on for Mr. Sprung. Like, this guy ruined his life as far as he was concerned. And they fake give him uh, Mr. Sprong in the chair tied up because 
uh, Jordy has a knife to Andy's neck, and, uh, you know, he lets go of Andy, he lunges at Mr. Spong, and Mr. Spong uses the mallet and, boom, captures him. And so then they, they wait with ang- much anxiety because he is the type that will call the cops on them for kidnapping. And they wait, and they wait, and the cops arrive. But it's not to arrest them. It's to say that Mr. Sprong has suffered a psychotic break talking about a magic mallet and wondering if they were okay. I like the fact that he gets himself out of the house, too, like in the chair. I mean, that took some effort. (laughs) It's determination, yeah. Okay, if someone were to kidnap you, tie you to a chair, how much would you fight back? Um... A lot. I mean, especially if it's these goofballs that really yeah. are no threat whatsoever. They're yeah, exactly. lame. Yeah, so having living a trail of destruction in his wake, trying to move around the house with a chair tied to his butt. Yeah, of course, you know. He got as far as the fence, and then he couldn't get over the fence. But, yeah, I, I totally would have done that, too. But my favorite line of the whole episode is when Sock says... That you know what the best revenge is? Happiness. And that is completely true. The best revenge is always living a good life. Don't you agree? Um, I think so. (laughs) This episode and the next episode, uh, none of the tune-find soundtrack portals that I'm on uh, have anything for these two episodes. So I don't have any music selections for you. That's fine. Um, yeah. There's there, there. We will take a break. Mr. Seneca is back with the focus area for Broomstone as we are ending that show as well here on the Dead TV Podcast. I was a cop. When my wife was raped, I caught the guy who did it, and I killed him. Two months later, I died. I went to hell. 113 the most vile creatures escaped. They think they'll beat the devil. Nobody beats me. How am I supposed to send them back? The eyes, windows to the soul. Destroy the eyes and the damned get a one-way ticket back home to hell. But it's not hell you should be scared of. It's losing your second chance of life on earth. Time to give the devil its due. It's Brimstone, Season 1, Episode 11, Faces, originally aired January 29th, 1999. Hi, I'm Ezekiel Stone. Have you ever met God? They say that God is in the faces of everyone you meet. I didn't realize it at the time, but God was at the batting cages. I went there for a little fun to blow off some steam. In the next batting cage, there was an old man and his granddaughter. The girl had a swing. Then, like on cue, the devil shows up and comments about family, taunting me for not being able to have children. Human children. What a dick. Well, he hands me a stack of mail for an address of Carl Trainer on Green Street. When I got there, I saw a woman, scared and running away. Inside was Carl's dead body and a burnt footprint of a boot inside. I knew it couldn't be her because she wore heels, but I didn't know who she was. As a detective on the case, I went to Carl's job for more clues, and boom, 
found that woman. She was rifling through Carl's desk. I quickly put two and two together. She was Carl's lover and his secretary. It's typical. We talked over coffee, and I knew it wasn't her, as her tears were normal and not tainted with hellfire. Yeah, she was there and told me of the three assailants. A kid, Brian, and an Englishman, Vic, and a woman named Tammy. She heard three separate voices, but never saw any of them as she was hiding under the bed during the attack. From her teary testimony, I deduced that the rendezvous mentioned was a motel, so I checked it out. The hotel manager complained about the room being a single, yet three people were using it, and Vic was a nasty fella. When we knocked on the door, Vic punched through it, then he punched through another door, and shoved me so hard it stunned me. Yeah, that's supernatural strength right there. He bolted and I followed, but all I found was the kid, Brian, who was clearly traumatized. The boy was only 15, wouldn't talk, so since he showed interest in my baseball equipment, I took him down to the batting cages. The kid had a powerful swing, as good as Ted Williams. The grandfather and granddaughter were there too. He introduced himself as Thurston Bristol. He said that in reality, he was a judge, but these days, he was spending his time trying not to be so judgmental. Kindness surrounded the old man like a comforting blanket. Felt so good. Brian opened up, and I found out that he had a beef with a former doctor of his called Dr. Morris. His stepfather beat him with a belt until he passed out. He was seriously abused. I left to get us some ice cream, and Brian disappeared. His sister Tammy said he was upstairs with Vic, but nothing. She left too, and Dr. Morris turned up dead. In trying to find Brian and the murderer of Vic, I researched into dear Dr. Morris. He had written a book called Beaten Down, a case study that featured a boy named Brian, who died in 1956. My heart sank when I realized he was my soul. He was only a boy, kind of like the son I always wanted. I caught up to him at the batting cages, confronted him. As he talked, his body shifted. He was Vic and Tammy too. A kid with multiple personalities, treated by Dr. Morris, who made a fortune off of him. Brian as Vic killed someone, went to hell, but now his personalities weren't just in his head. We scuffled a little and he got away. He wanted to move in with me and I wanted to care for him, but there was just fantasies. I had to send him back. I figured that the boy is killing everyone who wronged him. The first victim lived in his old house. He was looking for his abusive stepfather. By the time I had gone through my tracking down of Charles Reed, the stepfather, I was two steps behind Brian. Brian had already cornered the decrepit old man. His personalities manifested as separate people in that moment. Brian the boy wouldn't kill his abuser. The other personalities wanted to, but it was God that actually killed the horrible Charles Reed. He died of a heart attack. The two personalities attacked me. Brian shot out the eyes of his personality Vic, and both Vic and Tammy discorporated. Then Brian shortly after. 
When I look back on it, I hope that Brian earned his way to heaven for that, and his stepfather went straight to hell. Afterwards, I went to the batting cages to talk with Thurston. I asked him if we could get together again to talk. He agreed. Before he left, God told me not to brood over things that are outside of my control, and that life was too short for that. Indeed it is. Since we have such a large cast this week, I'll go through these quickly. In the role of Brian Reed is Billy O'Sullivan. He starred on The Van Dyke Show as Noah Burgess, and has also been featured in a lot of shows and video games as voice actor, such as Sin, Wages of Sin, Emperor, Battle for Dune, and Back to the Future, the TV series. The violent personality Vic was played by Greg Ellis, who has a huge career. It's filled with voice acting parts in things like Phineas and Ferb, Star Wars The Clone Wars, The Wild Thornberries, and Star and Versus the Forces of Evil. Must be that English accent. The nurturing personality Tammy was played by Joanne Canton, mostly a TV actress appearing on That 70s Show, Masters of Sex, Freaks and Geeks, King of Queens, and The Mentalist. The violent and abusive stepfather, Charles Reed, was played by Stefan Gifrash, who passed in 2014, best known for Carrie, High Plains Drifter, Barney Miller, and Dark Shadows, where he played Joshua Collins. Our kindly grandfather was played by Jerry Hardin, who also has a huge career with 168 acting credits. He's been in The Rockard Files, WKRP in Cincinnati, Cujo, Big Trouble in Little China, L.A. Law, and more. I enjoyed this episode for its presentation of the evil of abuse. It wasn't clinically accurate or anything like that. After all, you know, this is 1999 TV. This episode made me feel pity and anger at the situation that Brian was put through and continued to suffer through. The fact that the show has a slight color difference in the discorporation of Brian and his personalities led me to think that they were actually going to different places. The personalities' lights were a purple tinge, and Brian's was blue-tinged and brighter. Detective Stone mourned, so he must not have thought that the boy went anywhere else but hell. The color change, which is subtle, is there, but it's never acknowledged in the show. The grandfather in the show is just a grandfather but I elevated him to God because he was a judge. He comments about making mistakes and how no one ever gets the father they want. It seemed too on the nose, you know? Earlier in the episode, when the devil taunts Ezekiel about kids, the devil says he's proud of all his children, then mentions Congress. As Zeke walks away, the devil has this expression that had a subtext of paternal approval, like the devil was proud of him too. This is another one-shot story. It was interesting and fairly unique. I might not watch it again, though, because it is a fairly heavy episode, but definitely worth watching. Good night. And we're back with the next exciting episode, the 12th episode of Reaper. Reaper, Season 2, Episode 12, Business Casualty. Originally aired May 19, 2009. The devil lands Sam a new job of being an intern in a high-powered corporate office. He hopes to groom Sam more for ruling the world and shows him what the corporate life is all about. Taking Sam to the 75th floor of the building, the devil shows him where demons work towards the apocalypse. When Sam discovers that the 75th floor has an elevator passageway that, that leads to hell, he's tempted to ask Nina to venture to hell to rescue his father, who claims to have information on how to get him out of his contract with Satan. Meanwhile, Sock 
begins to date a fellow demon girl friend of Nina's who is unattractive but can shape her body into any fantasy girl that Sock chooses. But, of course, Sock is a pig, so this does not turn out very well for him. Oh, dear, yes, this is um, quite the um, mess of stupidity for Sock. <laughs> oh, my God. I just I could yeah. not believe that when uh, <laughs> she could turn into anything. It's like, um, this could go one of two ways, um, and it went the way I expected it to. Now, if this could happen, by the way, if you were dating mm-hmm. somebody that could turn into anybody you want, would you want them to turn into other people or celebrities or whatever, as long as they were okay with it, like this got them off too, to be somebody else? I would enjoy it. Because they were like, uh, oh, I'll turn into um, Scarlett Johansson, just, you know, and I'll go get a leather, a cat suit, and you can be like your fucking Black Widow. Because honestly, the only purpose for this would just be like, oh, I'm on the arm of Scarlett Johansson at like a gala or something, or I get to have sex with something that looks like Scarlett Johansson, and that's the whole that's the whole thing, is you get to fuck it. <laughs> Because there's no other reason to do this with somebody unless you're going to rob a bank or steal their identity and fuck up their life. It's just for sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that if I was with a demon that could do this, they would just ordinarily change shape, you know, at their own whim. It's not me pushing the topic. You know, because then I'm just kind of using them for their shape-shifting ability. Like, if they want to turn into... You know, Brad Pitt to surprise me one day. You know, it freaks me out that Brad Pitt's in my house for a second. And then I'm like, oh, okay, it's you. And then I'll be fine with it. That would be cool. But I wouldn't hand them a picture of someone and say, can you do this? Because that would be kind of rude and inconsiderate of their own autonomy for their own powers. I wonder what they were planning on doing with the Nina character because she lasted the entire season. I don't know. You know, I guess we could talk about that when we get into the last episode and, and speculate what might Season 3 have held. Right. We could also look up online. Hopefully somebody posted what Season 3 was supposed to hold. Hopefully it's somebody posted information. some information. You know what I mean? Like a tidbit. Yeah. Like, oh, so yeah, what was going to happen in Season 3? X, Y, and Z. Like, maybe Sam's mom was going to be revealed to be some omnipotent goddess of hell or something, you know? Who knows? But Sam shows up at the beginning of the episode in what looks like we're like mid-hunt here. You know, we open up, and, and the the escaped soul plotline is already well into it, and Sam is in a sticky situation. The soul, which doesn't have a name, he basically captures Sam and, and ties him to a gurney at an old asylum. It's very Saw-like. It, it reminds me of Saw. And the Saw movies were high as hell at this, t- at this point. You know what I mean? The, the, the franchise yeah. was super strong. Yeah, and, and the devil shows up and say like, hey, are you done yet? You know, as if Sam is just fooling around. And the vessel in this episode is a bicycle horn. No reason, no rhyme to it, a bicycle horn. Or a clown horn, you know, one of those honk honk. You know, those types of horns. The devil puts it in his hand, not the vessel, but the controls for the bed that he's on. And he, you know, pushes the button, the bed tips over, he grabs the horn, and then when the soul comes back, he blows the horn and captured. Like, it's it's barely a thought in this episode. Like, it happens within the first, like, two or three minutes, and then it's over. And we get no more soul bounty hunting in this episode. The guy who attacks Sam reminds me of Dave Batista, but it's not Dave Batista. Who is this guy? He is... 
What, what, I mean, they don't give him a name in the in the episode at all. And I'm looking at the IMDb credits to see which one of these guys looks huge, and none of these guys look huge. No. It's like nameless person. And he doesn't have a line in the episode, so he's not on the major top cast. Huh, interesting. Uh, let's go on. <laughs> okay. So instead, the devil places Sam at this corporation, and the CEO, Mr. Randall says that Sam was highly recommended by Jerry on the 75th floor. So, Jerry, we know, is the devil's name that he calls himself when he's in the muggle world. <laughs> Jerry. That is the most muggleest name ever. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So, the devil has this brilliant bit where he's talking about corporations and what they do. So, I want to play that here, so here's a clip. Did you know, beginning in the late 19th century, corporations were granted all the rights of the individual, but none of the annoying responsibilities. They lack, almost by design, any kind of moral compass, conscience, or compassion. Basically, corporations are a way to enact sociopathic behavior on a grand scale. In short, they're what makes this country so damn great. That is the, is the core of what... The devil believes corporations can do, and some of them actually do. Some of them are very corrupt. You know, they exploit their employees, etc. Um, it is funny, though, to see the devil in this office building. I'm assuming you have seen, I'm pretty damn sure we have talked about it, the devil's advocate with um, yes. Al Pacino and uh, yes. uh, Keanu Reeves and Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, great movie, that. great movie. The actress who plays Maggie, by the way, you need to go to her IMDb, Catherine Reitman. She is the daughter of Ivan Reitman, by the way. That Kathy Reitman, who plays Maggie, is the daughter of Ivan Reitman. Oh. And she is Jason excellent. Reitman's sister. Her IMDb trailer is her breast getting pumped. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think it's from Working Moms, which is the TV show she's been on from 2017 to 2023. So it's obviously going into next year. She plays Kate Foster. It's been on for 71 episodes. Okay. Uh, by the way, she was the girl with the puppy in Ghostbusters 2. They take the puppy away from her, you remember, when uh, Egon's oh, like, her. yeah, Egon's like, let's see what happens when we take away the puppy. <laughs> yeah. She's also on Blackish and plays Lucy. Uh, she was in My Super Ex-Girlfriend, too. She was the TV news reporter reporting on the uh, psycho-ness uh, of uh, Uma Thurman's character. So she's been in uh, her brother and father's productions for a while. Yeah, yeah. She was one of the third grade students in Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, and she was the girl at uh, uh, Durham Burgers uh, in Dave, which is also directed by her dad. I really like this character. You know, she plays Maggie, who's another fellow demon, says she's a shape-shifting demon. But the entire time, she's listening to Sock, and she, like any normal, red-blooded human woman would do, is like, Sock, you are an asshole. But she plays into it to kind of drag out how much of an asshole that Sock is because he's objectifying her because he's not attracted to her look whatsoever. And then when she goes to the bathroom, he wants to walk out. Like, he's tipping tables saying, like, hey, just say that I got into a bar fight and they took me away. She sees Sock and wants to kind of start over with him because... She knows that he's not really attracted to her, but they're ho- she's, I guess, hoping that they could be friends or something like that. And when she says that 
She could appear however she wants. Sock takes it as an assignment and starts becoming really super creepy with all the women around him, taking pictures of them without their knowing, like digesting the different parts of women and ob- pure objectification. It is creepy and honestly, I don't like season two sock. Season two sock is a bit more of a creeper than I'd really want to have in my life. And Maggie just rolls with it and says, no, I, I was never going to do that. You know, just to show how shallow Sock really is. That's it, a- it makes me wonder, like, why Nina would hook them up together. But then I'm seeing all these demon guys from the last episode. They're all douchebags, and Sock is kind of a douchebag now. So, eh, I guess it fits, you know. Demons are attracted to kind of douchey people most of the time. So I'm like, all right, you know, that fits. Um, maybe that's just okay because they're a demon. Mm, We're looking at it too. Different uh, levels of what they find attractive, you know. Right, but also douchebags attractive. But what I'm what I'm saying is that uh, what's bad for us and what we consider to be not okay and unethical is okay for a demon. Hence, why like you know, like in um, was it Wicked City? There's a scene where like the demon from the other world, the dark, the detective from the dark world or whatever, she's getting like literal. She she is pretty much getting raped by some tentacles, and then she kind of shrugs it off as like ah, you know. <laughs> this is just, you know, okay for us. <laughs> the corporation that Sam works for is really weird because it seems that their business is, you know, what the devil says is their business is the creation of sin. You know, produce, produces sin and everyone in the building, it's tempt them into doing some sort of sin. And Sam gets kudos in these very weird, confusing ways, because he comes to a meeting, he doesn't have anything planned for the meeting. One of the guys, Phil, has this big presentation, and it's, you know, perfect, And but he just gets discounted. You know, all this work for, for nothing. The guy, Phil, goes a bit insane, and either wants to kill himself or kill Sam. And in the scuffle, he ends up falling out of the building, so it's either assume that he committed suicide or that Sam did kill him. The boss, the CEO, thinks that Sam did kill him and promotes him because he stole the presentation and he committed a capital crime just to get to the top. And that was one of the key ways that they were able to get access to that portal to hell that they need. Because Sam's dad contacted Sam on the cell phone, because it still works, and uh, said that he's got the information about Alan and how he got out of his deal, but he just needs to get to it, get it to them. So that's 75th level that has a portal to hell. Nina agrees to go there for 24 hours to get the information. And she does. Success all all around. There's a bit of a funny moment, though, when... They're trying to get the gold card after Sam was laid off or, you know, when it's found out that he actually didn't murder Phil. Gets fired for not murdering someone. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Sock tries to talk to the CEO in the sauna room to distract him while Sam and Ben pick the lock to get into the locker to steal his 75th floor gold card. Mm -hmm. So they can get Nina back from the hell portal. 
Also, Sam's dad's plotline resurfaces itself, um, information to get out of hell. Yeah. I got yeah. a get out of hell jail free card, which you already used previously. <laughs> Sam's dad says he's stuck in the third level of hell. Help him get out. He's got the information, so they send Nina. The dad doesn't appear, but Nina does come back with the information. Yes. So it's just like the one ring reveals itself in the realms of fire. The text doesn't appear until they throw it on fire. Oh, that's right, yeah. Um, by the way, did you see the preview for the upcoming show? You you mentioned the rings. I was talking about the Ring of Power TV show. Oh, yes. I have seen the trailer for the Rings of Power, and I am extremely excited. And I'm also doing a Hobbit Day the weekend before that comes out in celebration. And so I'll be feeding everyone the seven Hobbit mealtimes and watching the extended version of Lord of the Rings at our house in all three floors of my house. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. That's all the notes I have for this episode. Yeah, that's all the notes I have for this one, too, since there is no music that I could find for this episode. Gotcha. we got one episode left of Reaper. Join us back in two weeks as we finish off Reaper, as well as Brimstone, and we will um, be back afterwards for the Alienation movie, which is very exciting. I've been dying to see that movie as much as I've been dying to to start this show. Check us out on Facebook, the Dead TV Podcast, or on our individual Twitters, at ChrisDSAV and at Elegantly Kinky. If you are a fan of Reaper and you were aware of some Reaper social media out there, let us know. Could not find any. <laughs> if you're a fan of Reaper and you had some comments about the show, send us an email, thatreadyofheart at gmail.com, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with the finale of Reaper on the Dead TV Podcast. Good night.